Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, coming at you on Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. We have a packed episode in store. Not only do we have a movie review, we're reviewing Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tick, Tick, Boom, as we continue to review what we think are going to be the Best Picture nominees, or could be. Obviously, the nominees are not out yet. They won't come out for another few weeks. Um, But not only do we have that, Ty, we have some MCU talk, and we have some DCEU talk, my friend. Oh, yeah. Lots of comic book stuff going on. Uh, Moon Knight trailer released um mcu's batman just kidding that's doing a disservice if you call it that because this trailer if you haven't seen it pod pause the pod before the intro go check it out um we're going to touch on that we're going to talk about it what we expect out of the series and after that we're going to touch on peacemaker john cena starring the first three episodes were released a new episode every thursday from here on out um Look, the Suicide Squad was great. We gave it a great score on our our movie ranking scale, and this is a spinoff of that. James Gunn is involved, and uh, let's just say, spoiler alert, it's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been a fun. It's been a fun watch. Um, I can't wait. By the time this releases and people are listening, there'll be a fourth episode to go and watch. So they're lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into the show. Percent of the time, it works every time. John Stamos. What? We just become best friends. Yep. I don't do I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. Okay, time. Moon Knight, the next MCU show trailer debuted on Monday Night Football. Um, the Rams killed the Cardinals. Just for those who care. Um, we were excited for this show. Hawkeye was good. We ranked it in our movie ranking scale. It came in third. It was, it was good. Maybe not great, but it was good. Um, but this show 
it's a little bit more wonky. They could have more fun with it. And just based on that trailer alone, man, I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm all in. Um, it, it looks like it's going to be fantastic. I don't know where you... Oh, never mind. Shows. Yep. It was the sixth MCU thing. Third show. Got it. Um, no, yeah. This looks fantastic. Oscar Isaac's a great actor um, to begin with. Didn't, didn't know he could pull off that accent. Uh, I'm digging the accent. But <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a fucking show. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know a lot about the Moon Knight character. This is the great thing about these shows. Um, I mean, I didn't know a lot as a kid about a lot of these characters outside of like Spider-Man and Hulk, but um, this character specifically is going to benefit from a series, from a limited series. Um, could they have made an origin story? Yes, but just based on the the, the path they're taking, the trailer was just... Ty, I don't know. I could be wrong here, and you might think of one. Is this the best trailer since Avengers Endgame MCU trailer? Mm. Like, I I don't know if it's Kid Cudi's day and night. I don't know. But just, this was dark Marvel. I mean, they're never going to go full like the Batman, which comes out, you know, two months from now. They're never going to go that dark. But this was like dark, cryptic Marvel and just the, the cinematography and every Like, I want to see this on the fucking big screen, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of a better trailer. That's a great call there. Um, putting a Kid Cudi banger in the trailer, but kind of making it like a creepy version. That's like um, like Jordan Peele did with um, I think it was Get Out or Us. He like slows it down and does like a like a hip hop kind of song mm-hmm. with like a creepy vibe. It just works so well, and Marvel just used that so perfectly in this. Um, no, it looks it looks like it's fucking fantastic. I'm with you. If there's a way for them to release like a three hour cut of all six episodes on the big screen i'm in i'll go watch it i'll pay a ticket price this is where i start feeling like a broke bitch and because if i could have anything in my life ty i have a lot of things on my bucket list obviously the one thing i want in my life is happiness but if i could have one thing in my home you're like you can have a bitch in infinity pool overlooking the skyline you can have this this my number one choice is an in-home like good quality movie theater room like that is number one on my list and this would just be perfect to watch in that yeah, I, I like no shit. If I win the Powerball, I'm, I'm getting an IMAX theater for my house, <laughs> and it's just gonna be me sitting dead fucking center. I think I might buy an old IMAX theater and just change the other theaters into rooms and just change make my house an IMAX theater and just leave oh, one of the theaters. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Talk about yeah. fucking vaulted ceilings. Um, and it looks like they're toying with the character's biography a little bit. Again, I don't know much about the character heading into this. Um, I did do some Wikipedia research, as I tend to do on this podcast. Um, and and it, it looks like, um, from what I'm reading, so he thinks he's Steven. Someone calls him, calls him Mark. Um, he's a kid, Mark Spector, Jewish-American son of Elias Spector, a rabbi who survived Nazi persecution. Anyways, um, some, something happens to him. He has some trauma, either because of the trauma of his experience with Perlman or due to brain damage caused by the Kenoshu. The Kenoshu is the guy who appears in the in the trailer he thinks he has like weakness or um in in wikipedia says he has a weak mind but i think in the trailer he says he has like there's chaos in that mind um mm-hmm. pretty much mark believes he meets and befriends a boy named steven grant um and then he has dissociative identity disorder which they they did touch on in that here it does seem like i, I don't know if he's full on like he has the the did that's what i'm just going to call it um or if like he is living this second life he didn't know he had. I don't know which direction, if they're going to stick to the comics completely, if they're going to tweak it a little bit. We had the sleeping disorder they talked about. Whatever it is, it's kind of like 
it, I, I haven't seen the movie. I really want to see it, and maybe I'm ignorant for making this comparison without even seeing the movie. But uh, it's almost <laughs> like Split superhero. I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> I I see where you're going with it, and for sure. Um, and yeah, it looks really good. And the Chaos comic, uh, a comment, and him having the accent and it being set in Britain. Um, well, I'm assuming like England. Um, yeah. It, it really seems like it's going to be a really cool story that's also going to fit in with, um, I, I can't think of the character's name, but the fucking uh, Game of Thrones guy in Eternals, where okay. he has the sword, and it's like, oh, that's chaos magic, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's Blade saying that, so I'm wondering if we don't get like a Blade reveal in this also, if we don't get the Game of Thrones dudes um, you know, showing up somehow. So this looks like a bitchin' standalone story that's also going to fit tie into the MCU and just be fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait to speculate about it. March 30th. Um, and, you know, anyone who isn't sold yet, all you got to hear is this this comment by, uh, what is this, IGN? They listed Moon Knight as the 89th greatest comic book character. Okay, not great, but they stated Moon Knight is more or less the concept of what would happen if Batman were to have dissociative identity disorder. That sounds badass. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds cool. Batman with fucking mental illness. I'm in. Which I, I got to. So this releases March 30th, 30th. The Batman releases March 4th. So these things are, even though it's a movie versus a series, these things are going to be compared. You know what I mean? They're, they're obviously, you're going to have the, the super DC fans. You're going to have the MCU fans like us. Even though I, I do think we give credit to DC movies. We're not totally, you know, um, would MCU be left wing, I guess, in this in this comparison? Um, <laughs> um, but there's going to be some debate about it. And I don't think, you know, Moon Knight's going to be as um, vulgar and as dark as the Batman. But it's going to be fun to watch these two projects and see what both studios do with kind of a similar, you know, character. Yeah, uh, I'm, I, I think it'll be really good. Um, you know, I'm stupid excited for the Batman movie. So having both of these just, you know, I'm going to be able to watch an episode of this and watch the Batman. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, man. Speaking of DCEU, well, this technically isn't part of the DCEU, at least so we think. Um, <laughs> Peacemaker, man. Peacemaker, three episodes released. Again, new episode coming out weekly every Thursday. John Cena's my guy. Um, did, you know, off topic a little bit, did you uh, happen to listen to the John Cena part of my take interview? Did you do another one? Yeah. I know so, he did one forever ago. John, if you're listening, part of my take, guys, if you're listening, I know you're not. Um, it was rough. It was re- It was. If you go on Reddit, everyone's calling it one of the worst part of my take interviews they've ever done. Um, pretty much what happened was they made a joke. Um, there was This was like halfway through the interview, but they had already made a joke about like trying to get headlines like they always do. And they asked, like, whose side are you on, The Rock or Vin Diesel? <laughs> and he seemed a little bit annoyed by that. But then they made a joke like because there was an internet rumor that he died of COVID. And then uh, PMT was like, hey, man, did you part of you want to like milk it for a day or two so you can get all the thoughts and prayers? And John Cena was just like, guys, one of my close friends just died. I don't think we should joke about this right now. And just got, like, kind of super stale, and it was super awkward. And oh, no. he kind of got philosophical with them, which I honestly thought the way he handled it, like, he handled it professionally. But the whole interview, it seemed like he wasn't in a great mindset because he literally said it happened, like, a day or two before. It didn't seem like he was in a great headspace to do an interview like that, like a, a comedy interview, like part of my take, where if you're not in the in on the joke, then it's not funny. Um, but he's done it before, but yeah, it was, it was rough, man. <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah. That's awful timing. Um, but the show itself, I mean, 
it, it picks up where the Suicide Squad left off, man. The humor. My dad's going to fucking love this. He loved the Suicide Squad. He <laughs> shit-talked John Cena as Peacemaker before he watched it and then loved it, admitted he was wrong. Um, we get the same humor. We're starting to see a little bit more. Uh, we're, we're seeing the seeds of character growth with John Cena's character. Um, what can't something Smith? What's his first name? Um, I don't. John. John. It's not Chris, John. It's a Chris? Chris Smith. Yeah, we're starting to see that. Um, we have the vigilante character who I fucking love. He's fucking hilarious. He's fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> the scene in episode two where he's like, I just you know ruthlessly kill people anytime they do something illegal. He's like selling drugs, something else, graffiti. I just have fucking busted up laughing. <laughs> um, I love. He, he sees him. He's like, Peacemaker's back, and he's working his job, and he's back. He's like, just found out my girlfriend's pregnant. He's like, yeah, I can't wait to get the abortion. You, you want to go? Like, he invited the dude. I was fucking dying. Um, it, it's a fucking funny show. First two episodes, we get two pairs of tits um, for those keeping track at home. Um, Correct. But the, the comedy in the show, man, it, I mean, it kicks off. It starts on a great comedic note when he's talking to the fucking janitor and just asking if he's a narc and everything, and the janitor's pretty much saying he is. And, like, it, it's... <laughs> it's fucking it, it's been great so far ty what do you think of the show yeah I, I just just so we're you know on the same page here it's two pairs of tits and one full vagina <laughs> oh episode it's three that scene was fucking picture. hilarious dude it's just it's very rated r and it's a fucking blast it's tv ma <laughs> actually it's not even r well whatever the fuck they're just it's it's exactly what you would hope from this kind of show yeah. um it, you like it's it's full-on suicide squad carried over james gunn his comedy in this John Cena as Peacemaker is hilarious. The vigilante character is funny. Um, y- you know, it's got all the Marvel, Marvel, not Marvel comic book stuff um, going with it with like the project butterfly or whatever. And you know, the story is progressing and keeping you interested, but it's so fucking funny. The opening credits are just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> just the random characters doing full like dance choreography and they're all terrible. It's it's great. I don't. It's the first show I've never skipped the credits. I watched them all three episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the story's fine. The Project Butterfly thing—that's where they left off. The big cliffhanger that they're like all over the world. Like, I don't want to do a discredit to the story being told, and I'm sure there's going to be more. And you know, his dad is the the White Wolf. Um, is that correct? White Wolf. Um, Not far now. Racist. White Wolf, I think, is was uh, Winter Soldier. What is his name? Um. Anyways, he's like a racist um, character that's been in DC, a villain. Um, he's, you know, he was like the original origin of it was like he was like a member of the the KKK and all this stuff. And obviously, we see he's listening, he's watching Alex Jones, and you know, he's very racist and everything. Um, he's the villain. Or he's going to maybe be the long term villain. Like I said, it looks like we're, we're going to get some character growth out of John Cena's character. There's going to be a story. There's going to be an arc. You know, him and that one woman or um, Harcourt are probably going to you know, hook up or whatever at one point, all that's fine and dandy. And like, I don't want to discredit what they're trying, the story they're trying to do in the character arc, but I don't think they they could tell a a bad story for all I care because the comedy elements with all these actors, man, I mean, fucking, uh, die beard is fucking great. Like they're all just fucking funny dudes. They're great. Yeah. Uh, white dragon, white dragon. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, it's like I said, there's the comic book story and it's happening and it's fine. But it's just a blast to watch. It's just stupid humor and hilarious. It feels like I'm watching Hot Rod. Um, I saw that <laughs> comparison. It feels like Hot Rod meets DC, and it's fantastic. Yeah, man. Um, it's fucking good. I have some questions to ask you if you have nothing else to say about the show itself. Fucking fire away with some questions. All right. So I thought of this. This is just – I'm not going to call it a new segment because I'm not going to do this every time. But 
I'm going to start, you know, expanding our conversation about certain projects, whether it be the movie or a show we're talking about. And I'm going to ask you some questions, Ty, that are related to the show, but not necessarily related in a, like, story-wise. Where do you think the story is going to go here? That kind of question. Question number one, Ty. And answer however you want to answer. I'm not trying to lead you in one direction. So far, maybe not is this, but could this be, however you want to interpret this, is this the best thing that the DCEU has made? Suicide Squad was really. I, I still think I like Suicide Squad the movie more than this. The Suicide um, Squad, to be specific. Very specific. I <laughs> I want that on record. Um, <laughs> I, I still think I like the movie more than this because that movie was just so good um, throughout just the entire run of it. But this show, it's right up there. I, I mean, Shazam's good. You know, we had a blast with that. I, I liked um, Joker, even though it's not like DCEU not necessarily. DCEU. Your candidates uh, Birds are. Of Prey, Sorry. Yeah, Birds of Prey is great. Yeah, you have – I'm just ranking the good ones. You have the Snyder Cut. You have Birds of Prey. You have the first Wonder Woman, Shazam, like you said, and Aquaman, I guess, is like the low-tier one there. Like, Yeah, I, 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 w- I would put this second. Um, I think this is right in the, the Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and this. Those are the top three for me by, by a good margin. Shazam's good, but it's it's the most Marvel DCEU movie. <laughs> <laughs> it really yeah, is. 100%. It just doesn't fit in with the rest of them. So, but you say it's number two. We still have however many episodes. Like, this could be number one, right? Like, if they really hammer this home, you think? Could this surpass the Suicide Squad if they do it perfectly from here on out? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just, it's already, it could fucking drop if the ending of the show sucks. Yeah. But as of these first three episodes, it's fantastic, and it's already up there for me. Um, if it continues and, you know, the story progresses and the comedy it stays the same and we get however many more episodes of this it's right up there because it's it's a very very fun watch i I want more vigilante um they 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 didn't have him the whole time um so i like that that character is introduced and kind of in the mix of things now um i I just I, i want more of that and him and peacemaker because they're fucking hilarious together yeah and i mean it just it goes to show something we've said about the deep the DCEU is like, they got to lean into this adult R rated and they're never going to do that because it's not going to draw as well in the box office. I mean, yeah, Deadpool broke all these records, but historically R rated movies just don't do as well, especially superhero movies. Um, But if they just lean into this, whether it's dark comedy like this, maybe not dark comedy, but you know, adult comedy like this, whether it's again, not part of the DCEU, but the the darkness of the Batman, even though it was rated PG 13, which I know some people weren't very happy about when that came out. Um, you know, Birds of Prey has an element of this that has more. That's more fun as well. But the Suicide Squad, perfect example. Like, if DCEU is going to separate itself from the MCU, it's got to lean into this more for the adults kind of mantra. And that's just because Marvel's the best at what they do, and it's just like you're not going to beat them at their game at this point. Like they're too well established, and you know this. I think this is a good example like this. I don't know if Marvel can make a show like this. You know, like if you put Deadpool oh, they, in the DCEU. Maybe it'd be even better. I don't know. I, we'll see when Mar- how MCU handles Deadpool, but they could fucking really hurt that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I Deadpool maybe, but even then, like the whole thing with Deadpool is they tested out a PG-13 version because that's obviously the route they want to go. Like they yeah. don't want to create something like this. I think for, for, you know, the DC to be successful is, like you said, making dark PG-13 movies. Um, and then I don't know... Like, is streaming, if TVMA affects it the same way, like, an R rating affects movies? Um, I've got to imagine it doesn't, because, like, 
who gives a shit if it's, you know, P, uh, TVMA or rated R and it's a streaming show, like everyone's still going to watch it. Yeah. And I think um, that's why they're more comfortable doing it with a show like this, but on the big screen, eventually, I mean, these shows aren't going to make you, you know, these shows are great and they build up your, your universe and HBO max subscriptions, but the big bucks comes in the movies, obviously. Yeah, for sure. And I think if they just kind of do this, do the PG 13 movies so you can get that box office and, you know, if it's the right project or whatever, do TVMA shows like they're doing. Um, and I, the last couple of projects I've really liked. So, well, I guess Wonder Woman's mixed in there. That Wonder Woman <laughs> 2 is a pile of shit. Stop doing that. That is what we don't want. Um, but yeah, this dark tone, like they tested out with Shazam. Shazam was a good movie. The family humor just isn't for them. So stop trying to do it. Do this. This is fucking great. Yeah. I mean, Shazam's good. You know, and it's that family humor, but that's the best they've done of Marvel, and that would be a mid-tier Marvel movie, if we're being honest. Like, that would rank 100%. out of the 30, however many Marvel movies, I think it's like 25, whatever, it would probably rank like 14th, you know? Um, yeah. I'm glad you brought up uh, Wonder Woman real quick. I, I've gone through our podcast. I, I just, I feel like sometimes we rank things too high, and by we, I think I mean me. Like, Wonder Woman 1984 probably shouldn't have got as high as it did. I think it's just the way our scale is. Visuals kind of holds it up, but... That movie should not. I mean, it, it didn't get a high score, but what did it get? It got a uh, sixty-one and a half. Like that movie's bad. That should be in the fifties or forties. I'm just, I don't know, man. I shit. I gave it a higher score than you. I, I did like Pedro Pascal's performance in it. Yeah, but outside yeah. of that, everything else was shit. But even I thought of like, because I was thinking of this today, The Matrix. I shouldn't have gave The Matrix a sixty-four. That wasn't a sixty-four movie. That one's on me. That would that should have been a in the fifties, man. But I digress. Yeah, no, I. It was almost in the forties for me. It was barely a fifty. Number two, Ty, this is a juicy question, and it's a question that would have sounded crazy if I asked this to you, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, but I think there's actually a case to be made. But again, I'm not trying to lead you. You tell me. Is John Cena the most reliable comedic act of the last four to five years? Um, uh, Like, it, in the, in the last few tough. years, who's been better than Cena consistently? Even his lower movies like Vacation Friends, he's fucking funny in them. Yeah, that's tough. They don't make as many just straight comedies nowadays. And he's been a very big part of those. I mean, you you look at like the top comedic actors and it's all stuff from the early 2000s. I think Kevin Hart and and Dwayne Johnson, both of them, like if they're making a comedy, it's usually fairly successful. Um, But outside of that, like laughs, like actually funny. Again, our yeah, our comedy I, style is different than some people, but I'm I'm kind of like I'm looking stuff up and trying to see like top comedic actors right now of the past decade, even. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's thin. Yeah, <laughs> it's thin for for recent you know stuff. Um, so I I would say typically like just for stupid comedy movies, I, he's up there for sure. I, I'm I can't name anyone else to dispute it yeah so uh, he's, he's very good every time he's on screen he's got his shtick and he does his thing and it works every time and like i said you have kevin hart you have um dwayne johnson who also like if they're in a comedy and they're, they're doing their thing like it, it typically works um but there isn't as many just dumb comedies nowadays and john cena seems to be doing fucking fantastic in the dumb comedy scene yeah and I, I by no means trying to say he's the funniest guy in hollywood like they're still like um 
Craig Robinson is someone who I think is funny. I think Jonah Hill, he was the best part of Don't Look Up, in my opinion. Like, he yeah. obviously, he's got the comedic knowledge to perform, you know. Guys like Will and Adam, Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler. I don't know why I'm in a first-name basis with them. Like, they're fading <laughs> a little bit. They're fading. I think it's just taste change and the vulgarity when you're 50-year-old men maybe just isn't, doesn't hit the same, you know. And, like, you, you mentioned Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart would probably be the right answer just because he's the bigger name. But... Cena, I mean, he's not a – he's found his his niche. You know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is an action star. Um, John Cena should be a comedic star. I mean, I, Ryan Reynolds is another name. I think that's up there. Ryan Reynolds might have Cena beat because of Deadpool and everything. Um, but even even with Reynolds, though, like I said, he doesn't do dumb comedies. He does action comedies. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and that's true. you know, this obviously with saying that this is very much an action comedy – but, like, anything John Cena's in, if it's an action comedy or just a dumb comedy, he's right there with them. Yeah, I mean, and there's some misses in there, too. I mean, but, like, it starts with Trainwreck, you know. Daddy's Home 2, I know that's not a great movie. I thought he was good in it as the serious asshole. Um, playing with fire now. But uh, The Suicide Squad, Blockers, and Vacation Friends. And now this, like, those are that's a good track record of movies. Serious Roles, um, F9, not good. Bumblebee, yes, he's Horrific. actually good in that. Haven't seen that movie. Horrific in F9, though. Yeah, he's not good. I thought you meant horrific in Bumblebee because he was actually pretty good. But he didn't have as big as big of a role in Bumblebee. Or in, yeah, in Bumblebee. To be fair to Fast 9, though, that whole plot of him just being brothers is stupid and losing the race and driving away crying. <laughs> um, stupid. It's fucking awful. But, no, nah, he's he's moving up there and he, he should find this, his you know, this area. And it's just funny to me because, like, when I listen to interviews with him, he seems like the most dull person you could ever know in your whole entire life and he's just got that comedic timing i don't know it's he he's got it he's got it for sure um number yeah, three I'm, I'm seeing other things like uh, a bill Hader. i think bill Hader's okay. done like some yeah. series and stuff he's he's also been very consistent um Jason yeah, Sudeikis, he's up there cena's up there though the fact that he's in that conversation is crazy considering he was a full-time wrestler five years ago four years ago <laughs> he's made the switch he's he's found his thing he's doing it Number three, if you were in charge of making one superhero movie and it's let's put in a hypothetical like it's not necessarily comedic like it's got to be versatile. It's got to be a versatile director like you don't know exactly what direction you want to go in yet. You just know there's going to be a superhero and you're making a movie, whatever. If you had to make that one superhero movie, regardless of brand, would James Gunn be your director of choice? I'm just talking guys who have done um, superhero movies. Obviously, you could say like, oh, Scorsese, but no. Would James Gunn be your choice? Um, some other potential candidates, uh, Taika Waititi, um, the yeah. uh, Russo bros, Zack Snyder, probably not Josh Whedon. His his movies have sucked. Um, would James Gunn be your guy? Is he the best superhero director that we have right now? Uh, he, he's definitely right there. Um, Taika, obviously, Thor Ragnarok was fantastic. And some of his other projects, like, he's really fucking good at it. Mm-hmm. Um outside of that john though, farvo he he deserves credit as well Favreau. for sure yeah and he, he's done you know even with like the mandalorian like i know it's different but it, it's still comic booky type stuff he's yeah, really good sure. with that um john watts did the spider-man trilogy i just want to p- throw more names out there sorry no you're good yeah, yeah. john watts well I, I like the spider-man trilogy the first two are kind of um they're okay but they're they're good movies and they're fun but they're not on the level of, of the other ones, I think. Um, I don't know. James Gunn's really fucking good. He did do the dark Superman movie. 
um james gunn i'm trying to think of the name of it it was like with the it was like with the kid mm-hmm. and if superman was evil basically okay. oh okay um i'm trying to think brightburn i don't think that one got a very good reception it's got a 50 57 percent on rotten tomatoes so it really depends on like the type of movie you're you're trying to go for like james gunn if you're going comedic action he's the guy like he, he's the fucking guy yeah um taika you know it'll be interesting to see love and thunder um because he's after ragnarok he's fucking fantastic in in that area mm-hmm. um i i can't think of any other actor or directors who have directed like recent comic book stuff that i that i would go above james gunn i, I will say that yeah the argument for james gunn is he's he did guardians mcu comedy great one of the best mcu movies there is um especially when we talk about just mcu origin movies i mean it's top three and it might not be two or three depending on who you ask um <laughs> but he's done that and he's done the suicide squad and he's done peacemaker which is a spin-off of the suicide squad but he's shown that versatility and he's coming back for guardians 2 correct or guardians 3 right oh yeah for sure yeah so he's shown that versatility um i'm on indiewire.com they're ranking the top 15 mcu directors they have taika number one which i love taika everyone that listens to this pod knows we are huge taika fans and you know it's probably going to be great here on out but he hasn't had that second movie yet. I, I still think it's going to be great. But, you know, it's one movie compared to what Gunn has done. Uh, Favreau, Favreau um, obviously we mentioned him. He's number two. Ryan Coogler, Black Panther. He should be in the conversation as well. That was a great film. Um, we'll see what yeah. he does with Black Panther 2. And then the Russo Bros are number four. And then they have James Gunn number five. But, like, it's those top five and then everyone else. I mean, number six is Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, Captain Marvel. I didn't even know their names. So I, <laughs> it's them and everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and just thinking of other act, other like known directors who I think, if you give them the right type of character, could do something really good. Um, I know uh, Bong Joon Ho, the dude who did Parasite, is mm-hmm. in talks to do like a movie with Ryan Reynolds. I can see him doing a really bitchin' like Batman kind of character and creating a movie like that. Okay. Um, just that kind of. I know he's worked with Chris Evans before, um, and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I can see someone like him doing a really good serious type movie. Um, obviously, he's fucking fantastic. There would be a language barrier there. So, um, <laughs> we'd have to translate the script. But <laughs> um, yeah, people who've done it, though, James Gunn, he's fucking fantastic and he's proven. He's done it multiple times now. So I, I don't think you can go wrong choosing him. Yeah, that's that's my three questions, Ty. Before we jump into Tick, Tick, Boom, one other thing I just saw right now that I wanted to uh, bring up since we're talking about comic books did you see the comment? Willem Dafoe said that he, I think fantasizes was the word he used. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Um, yeah, he fantasized about being in a Joker sequel with Joaquin Phoenix as like a fake Joker. Like he's the fake Joker that's trying to be like, no, I'm the real Joker. Like that would be fucking incredible, man. I know they're, they're never going to do it because Joaquin doesn't want to run out that character and everything. But Willem Dafoe as like anything Joker adjacent, Sign me the fuck up, Ty. Oh, you know, it's perfect. I feel like that's one of those castings where, like, when he was younger, he could have played an incredible Joker. Um, Just, you know, as, like, a a Batman villain. I mean, he's, you know, Green Goblin with Spider-Man 1 and then No Way Home. He's incredible as the Green Goblin. That's another, like, kind of fucking, you know, crazy type character. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be fucking awesome to see him in a Joker movie in any capacity. Yeah, I want to see it. Um, all right, let's jump into Tick, Tick, Boom. Within the Lines would not be possible without Anchor by Spotify. 
It is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now. Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, We highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. Based on the autobiographical music by playwright Jonathan Larson, it's the story of an aspiring composer in New York City who is worried he made the wrong career choice whilst navigating the pressures of love and friendship. Directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, starring Andrew Garfield, Vanessa Hudgens, Alexandra Shipp, uh, Robin DeJesus. Um, tick, tick, boom. Oh. Tick, tick, boom. Now, we are reviewing this because, like we mentioned at the top of the pod, we are trying to get ahead of Oscar season, review some movies that we think are going to be in the running. Um, tick, tick, boom's an interesting one. Obviously, I haven't seen all of the other candidates. Um, I don't want to give away too much about my score. It, it got a, a good score, a, a really good score. Um, best Picture nominee? I'm not too sure just because the type of movie it is. Um, very good, though. I'll, I'll say that off the top. It was a good movie. Yeah, uh, I, I really, really like this. But Best Picture tends to be a little more artsy. And, and while this one has its own lane, and I think it's a great story that was told, um, and I think the music's fantastic and what it did was is really good, um, it, it is a little different than what you would expect from, from a Best Picture nominee. Um, but with that being said... Like there is a lot of stuff that I feel I know this is a movie based on a on a musical, but if this was still somehow a musical, it feels like it'd be right there for like Tony Award type things, if that makes sense. Okay, well, for those that don't know, um Tyler being one of them before this, um Tick Tick Boom was a I, I just want to make sure I get okay, it is. Tick Tick Boom, it was a musical by Jonathan Larson. It was semi-autobiographical. Um, he, this is all uh, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> my number one resource. <laughs> Larson began to perform the piece as a solo work in 1990. It was, I think he called it a, it was a rock something. Um, I can't think of the word for it, but it was a rock anthem? I don't know, not a rock anthem. Um, monologue? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so he performed it, and it was pretty much about his life, and he had another play, Subnautica. He, he's known for Rent. Um, he directed, he created Rent. He passed away the night before Rent went live on Broadway because of a fucking brain aneurysm tie. If you want to talk about something in a movie that made me feel bummed out, that's number one of the whole year. If there's an Oscar for like, makes me appreciate life. I think it was just that right there because it's like a, such a raw movie. And it's like, yeah, he died of a brain aneurysm, something that could literally happen to me tonight. Knock on wood. Like, fuck man. Yeah. <laughs> um, not, like, not only brain aneurysm. The night before he finally made Broadway. Like, that is so fucking crazy. Makes me think. I wonder if that's what happened to Bob Saget since they still haven't um, announced his death. Although Riley thinks it's coke. But I won't talk about Bob Saget's death. (laughs) Um, So pretty much he began this as a solo work in 1990. The songs um, 3090, the birthday song, you know, all these things. 
that is the birthday song, the uh, the therapy song. All those were part of Tick, Tick, Boom, the original Larson talking about his life, um, which we see some of that in this, like the scene where Andrew Garfield's playing the piano and, the, and Vanessa Hudgens is singing and the black guy singing. That's all like a remake of the Tick, Tick, Boom solo show that he made. So he made Rent. He passed away. In 1996, Tick, Tick, Boom, the thing he did just as a piano and it was songs and stuff and him talking – it was revamped as a three-actor piece and was premiered off-Broadway in 2001. Um, since then, the show has had an off-West End production, a West End production, American National Tour, two off-Broadway revivals in 2014 and 2016, and numeral, numerous local and international productions. So I don't know if it was like full musical set, but they, they revived it in some capacity where they turned it into like a musical, you know, a, a revival, of, you know. And then they made the movie based off that kind of revival and the original kind of all packaged into one. Um, mm-hmm. Did it win a Tony? I don't think it did because I don't think it counted. Um, well, yeah, it was off-Broadway. Okay, so think. the three-character cast was John, Michael, and Susan. So John, his friend Michael, and his girlfriend Susan, which are pretty much the only three characters of the movie. I mean, there's some side characters, but you know, there's also um, the, the famous Broadway guy whose name I'm not going to think of right now. Um, but besides those three, I mean, that's kind oh, of it. So, so, so Sodenberg? Yeah, something like that. The guy who did um, West Side Story. Um, it did win some awards for other things. Obie Award, Outer Circle, Outer Critics Circle Awards. So, yeah. I mean, if they turn this into, like, maybe this will be the fourth adaptation as they turn it into a proper, proper Broadway musical, and then it'll finally get the Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I um it's like the story and the way they did it. And it makes sense that it was only three characters because like you said, the three main characters are Michael, John and Susan. Mm-hmm. And then the only other characters are the people who play Susan and play Michael, like in his show thing, which is the Vanessa Hudgens mm-hmm. character and um, John Joshua Henry. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the five of the top, you know, the top five actors are playing three characters basically. Um yeah. But yeah, this it's such a good story and the way they do it and uh, the music's fantastic. I fucking love the music in this. Um let's get on our scale. Yeah, and uh okay, yeah, let's jump into it cuz my next point will go into this plot/story. I gave it a 14. Um I I feel like well, I like the way they did it. I like the way they incorporated the original Tick Tick Boom performance with the kind of actually showing us the scenes of what he's talking about and how they incorporated mm-hmm. those two and how they stayed true to the original. Like that was all great. And that's what got it. It's points. I think at the end of the day, it is, you know, it, they made this project as a, a remembrance piece to Jonathan Larson. I mean, people, I, I'm not a fucking musical head. I mean, I've seen four musicals. I like them all. Um, but there's a lot of people, you know, that aren't musical heads that don't know this guy and they want to make the piece to kind of, you know, maybe give him some love, whatever. Um, but I think that the overall story itself can be held back just because it, it kind of is just the story of this guy struggling and it ends with his girlfriend leaving him, you know, and not even rent and everything, which is fine. I'm all, I'm not bashing it for that. I just think based on the type of movie it is based on the subject material it's based on, like it, it gets held back for me, but I do like how, like they break the fourth wall right away. Like the very beginning of the movie, they're like, this is a movie about Jonathan Larson's life. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a narrator, um, but yeah. yeah, and even that, like they say, like all of this is true except for the parts that aren't. Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> like I, I get it. Um, I gave it a fifteen, one point higher than you. Um, I I agree that some of it is held back by you know naturally by what they're doing. Um, I can't think of the last time we we talked. I think it was King Richard, maybe. 
I don't know. There, there was something where when it is a real story, it obviously you can't be as incredible and crazy twists and everything. Yeah. But the way they did it with the, like you said, performance and then showing the real life aspect of it um, was really good. And then just the whole, the story of Jonathan Larson, where it's him struggling and obviously being pulled in all these different directions and wanting to do something, um, you know, that he cares about, but then having to, you know, ignore his friends and then ignore his girlfriend and going through all of that for it just to not even like, you know, nothing happens with the Superbia musical that he's so focused on. Um, I I think that was done really well. And especially with the emotional moment with Michael after it doesn't work and he tells him, spoiler alert, um, he's HIV positive. Mm-hmm. Um, that does and that's very effective in the way that you see how much he's pulled in these different directions and the emotional song when him and Susan break up and like you see how this is like taking over his life and it's kind of like a make the choice on what you want because you can't have it all um, but told in a very realistic way and, and it isn't a happy ending where he still has his friend and gets the musical and gets the girl and yeah, I, I appreciate that, and, and I like what, how they told this story. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say something else, and I completely – oh, um, so they say you know everything's real except the stuff he made up pretty much because he, he did the, – the Tick, Tick, Boom subject material from how I understand it is pretty much completely based on his original play that he did, you know, however long he did it back in 1990. Um but in that original play, he did make, like not necessarily fabricate things, but did kind of extend the truth a little bit. And I looked into it, and it's like it, it's little things like his friend Michael that has you know t- was HIV positive. Like he had a best friend who had who was HIV positive. It's just he kind of like I don't know he changed his name and maybe he changed some details about the story, whatever it is. But like, and I even was reading like that friend is still alive. And then he had a girlfriend not named Susan, um, who was a dancer, and you know things may might not have happened in the chronological order that was presented but you know that girl still did exist and she is still alive and everything and so it is it's weird it's like it, it's based on reality but like he still changed some things i don't know exactly like what you change like how that works but like so it's still very rooted in reality and even the movie itself like if you watch it and you don't hear that line like everything's real except it isn't like i wouldn't sit there thinking like oh this didn't happen you know like it's all you know i mean him running in Central Park and playing a piano in the rain, maybe that didn't happen, but I don't, I don't, you know, it's not like superficial or, you know, you could tell like, okay, this is quotes based on a true story. Yeah. And and I think it obviously, it probably is like the timeline on how these events happen. Like, do I think he got the inspiration? He was ready to write his song. And then right as he got ready, like typed the first thing, his power went out. No, I don't think it happened exactly (laughs) that way. Did his power probably go out the day he needed to write that song? Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? (laughs) But it's, you know, it's obviously based on real events. It's just his storytelling. You know, he creates a story about these real events. And obviously there's going to be more impactful moments where shit happens kind of out of order and whatnot. And this this happens. And, um, you know, like you said, maybe, you know, Michael didn't tell him right as he was like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to stop. And that's when his friend tells him, oh, well, I have AIDS. So, like, you have time. I don't. Like, that's probably not how that happened. But... Yeah those events are very real, you know? Are, is, is AIDS the same thing as HIV? I, um, I think HIV is, like, the beginning stages. Um, once HIV becomes, like, super bad, you have AIDS, if I'm not mistaken. That's crazy, man. I, I was telling Riley, I want to do more research on this. Like, 
I don't know what the life expectancy is of someone who has HIV. I know, like, now we know it's a lot longer than we initially thought. But, like, back then when it first started, like, that's just crazy. Like, but then you have, like, Magic who has it and he's had it for 40 years. But Magic also is a fucking billionaire. So, (laughs) yeah, and that's really when it first started. Like, they didn't have the medical science to keep people safe now. Now they have medicine to where if you have HIV, you can fucking take medicine and have sex with people. And you won't transmit it. Like, you basically don't have HIV and you can't transmit it anymore. Like, it's all medical science and them learning how to address it. But when it was the first thing, it was the fucking AIDS pandemic, you know, pandemic. Or, was it called pandemic? I don't think it was technically a pandemic. Epidemic. Epidemic. That's the word I was looking for there. Um, yeah, it was a real thing. And I'm, I'm sure he did have that many friends because, you know, it's obvious he had the gay friend and everything. Like, you know, I, I think... Musical theater is one of the industries with a lot of um, LGBT like people in it. That makes sense. I'm sure he did have a lot of friends who died from AIDS and stuff um, and HIV in that time. Like that's fully believable to me. It's crazy, man. How did it start? Do they know? No clue. Government um, to stop homosexuality because it's a sin. Oh, according to the CDC.gov, um, Tyler's being facetious there. He obviously doesn't believe that. That's what the government believed <laughs> back then. Um, HIV infection in humans came from a type of chimpanzee in Central Africa. Okay, time out. Version. You said I'm being facetious. You don't think that's what I think the government thought back then? You don't think that that is what the government, comma, that Correct. is what the government thought back then. Yes. Correct. Yes. I do believe that's what the government thought. I just yes. want that on record. Yes. Uh, visual <laughs> cinematography. This is tough because this is musicals. that happens every time. Um, this is just in its key elements. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Um, I gave it an 18. Look. I'll touch on the music when we get to key elements. Um, I thought this was filmed. I, I like the little grainy things they added in it. Um, no, but I, I like it felt like a musical on screen. Like sometimes there's like these musical movies. I mean, in the Heights did a good job as well. But like, it, I don't know. Sometimes you could be taken out of it or whatever. Like this felt like I, I like, you know, some of the camera work they did. I mean, obviously we're not getting CGI or anything. Um, but just, I don't know, the way it was filmed, it was filmed in a way that I enjoyed, and it also gets credit for the music, which I'll talk about in Key Elements, 18. Yeah, I also gave it an 18. Um, I think there's a few scenes that are really good. The the Sunday scene, where, like, the diner falls apart, and, like, it's all bright and beautiful, and it's supposed to be, like, Sunday in the park or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks really good. The scene where he does break into it, and he's in, like, an empty, empty auditorium mm-hmm. or, or amphitheater. And, like, it's just him and, like, the backdrop and everything. That looks really good. Um, the, the I, I guess this kind of goes with visuals slash cinematography. The ticking throughout. Yeah. Like, the ticking is so consistent. And it's obviously, you know, fucking name of the show is Tick, Tick, Boom. But the ticking throughout in different moments and everything, that's done very effectively. And it's obviously super minor. But, like, I like that. I like the way a lot of the stuff was shot. Um, the, the only thing, like you said, no CGI and stuff. The scene where... Um, he writes the song for the workshop and it's, you know, Susan singing to him and Vanessa Hudgens character. Mm-hmm. Um, the set with Susan was very green screen, very, didn't look that good. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that one, that one hurt, but everything else looked really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention too, like they showed, I don't know, I'm sure you did, but in the credits, they, holy shit. Um, sorry. I just got surprised by something. I'll talk about it at the end of the pod. Um, go ahead. They they showed scenes of the actual Jonathan Larson. Like they showed um I, I don't know if they showed his the actual Tick Tick Boom performance. I did look it up on YouTube so I can attest to this part as well. But they showed like scenes of him in the diner and like they recreated that diner fucking perfectly. Like I don't know if you watched that, but like it was like to the fucking T. And like everything they showed it was like to the fucking T and Andrew Garfield looked like him. 
almost to the T. I think his hair should have been a little bit shorter. But, like, they recreated <laughs> this stuff, like, really accurately when, honestly, like, they didn't have to make the diner look exactly how it looked in real life, and they fucking did. Well, not only that, when they go into Jonathan Larson's apartment, that is recreated to a T. Jonathan Larson had videos in his thing, and, like, even his mixtape collection is the exact collection he had because he would record things around his apartment and recorded everything and had pictures of his mixtapes in case they ever got stolen. He could say, this is exactly what I had. And they, the set design on this is fucking 20 out of 20. Like the shit they did, if you watch videos about it, like they did everything as perfectly as they could. The couch with all the paint on it was like an actual fucking, like the recreation of the actual couch in his apartment. Like, no bullshit. The set design and everything was fantastic. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Kiel and Stai. This is where music gets all the love. I have a feeling you gave this one higher than me. I gave it a 19 out of 20. Mm. Yeah, I did. I gave it a 20. <laughs> I have one one thing that kept it from a 20. Okay. The fact that the music was great, but besides the, the what you informed me before, which I, I didn't think was one of – it wasn't a bad song, but it wasn't one of the necessarily the best – um, outside of the, the subnautica, not subnautica. Is that, did I get that right? What is it? Superbia. Superbia. Outside of that, like music, you know, that musical number, which was written by, written by Lynn because they didn't have the actual evidence of what the song was. So they remade it how they thought Larson would make it. Everything else to my understanding, definitely the birthday song and the therapy song were remakes of the original music. Now, don't get me wrong. They fucking nailed it. Andrew Garfield nailed it. Um, watching, I watched a side-by-side of Garfield and, and the real guy doing it. Like, fucking, they nailed it. I just gave it that minus one because it's like, I don't know. It, it just wasn't fully original, and I know maybe that's a little petty out of me. But that's what kept it from the, the Hamilton 20 of, you know, when we did our the one musical we've done. So you, the songs are worth the 20, but the fact that they were not songs from something else. <laughs> yeah. That's... I'm going to say that's a ridiculous um, reason to not give it the points, but you do you. <laughs> um, I, look, I've no bullshit. Just been listening to the music. Like I would Hamilton or something else. Yeah. Um, I, I love like so many songs in this are so good. 3090. The one they open with. Yep. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, like the superbia song with the keyboard and everything, the way it like builds up throughout the movie. And it's like just them singing and like the piano and then you get the drums and then you get the keyboard and it, it just kind of like builds and builds and builds. And it's very, very catchy and really good. Um, the ending song with louder than words, I think it is, or come to your, I don't know. One of them really Without good being in a cage or um, being wings or having wings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one, the therapy one. Fantastic. Yeah. And the way they shot that scene to where it's like this such upbeat, funny song of them you know, like a, like an argument type thing. It's so upbeat and funny. And then you shoot to like the, you know, and this is what they can do in a movie that they couldn't do in a play, the real life argument and stuff where it's so emotional and fucked up. And, you know, there, it's such a down scene with such a high, you know, excitement and everything with the song. So many songs on this are just so, so, so good. You didn't mention my second favorite, which was the one that I don't know if I've heard it. I think Riley told me it's in the commercial, but the, this is the life song. I've been singing that song, Ty, for like five months and not knowing where I knew it from. <laughs> and then it started playing, and I was like, that's where I know this song from. <laughs> yeah, I, that song that song's good. Uh, like, every song is good throughout, though. Like, there isn't one that I don't like. The Come to Your Senses song, while I didn't like the green screen thing, was very good. 
Um, Johnny can't decide. Like even that is kind of, kind of catchy. I like it. Um, the the song about um, his friend Michael when he plays it on just the piano in the amphitheater. Like it's not incredible song, but like it, it's good. Mm-hmm. And like that's the thing is even the songs that I don't love, I still like. It's just so good throughout. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree that the music was great, uh, but I gave my reasoning just, for a 19. <laughs> it's just not original, so fuck them. <laughs> no, like legitimately though, the 3090 song that it opens with, I've listened to that song probably like fucking 50 times this past week. Wow, are you a freaking Jonathan Larson stan? I'm, I love that song. It's fantastic. It's so good. It is. It's, so it's really good. good. It's really fucking good. I music's fantastic for me. I. Is a no-brainer twenty. Fair enough. Characters tie. Now this is a a, a category that I bumped up. I, I I bumped it up two points. Um, so I, I think I've revealed this with you before on the pod. Um, I always rank the movie as soon as I'm done watching it, and then I let it sit. I sleep on it, and then I'll readjust it the morning of, and then I'll readjust it right before the pod if I need to. It doesn't always get readjusted. This went from a sixteen to a 17, and then to an 18, which is where I landed. 18 for characters. Mm. Okay, I'm, I'm rocking a 17, one point lower than you. Okay, my thought process here. Andrew Garfield is fucking fantastic in this film, and I just... Andrew Garfield's getting a lot of love, love right now. Obviously, spoiler alert. Oh, wait, spoilers carry over. Sorry, I don't have to say that. Andrew Garfield's in <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, yeah. And he was really good in that, and he's getting a lot of love from his performance in that in that film. Um. I'm not someone, again, this is kind of sacrilegious because I, I say I'm an MCU fan. I'm a Spider-Man fan. I boycotted the Amazing Spider-Man movies because I was upset about Toby. I was a young lad, and that's just the direction I went. I don't think I've seen anything with Andrew Garfield in it until, I'm not even going to count Spider-Man No Way Home, until this. And he's a good fucking actor, Ty. Oh, my goodness. I was so impressed. Um, my, my one recommendation for you, just based on that, uh, The Social Network. That's the Facebook movie. <laughs> I've heard that's a great movie. <laughs> fantastic movie, and he's in it. And he gives a fantastic performance. He's not, like, the main guy, but he's, like, the partner mm-hmm. who created Facebook, and then kind of gets, like, fucked. Um, still good in that. But outside of Spider-Man movies, I haven't seen a whole lot that he's in either. He's in uh, um, Hacksaw Ridge. I'm pretty sure he got nominated for that. Okay. Fuck yeah. yeah. Cool. No, he's he's incredible. He's already won, I think it was the People's Choice People... I'm I'm sure if I just Google his name, it'll show up which award he's won. Uh, Andrew, uh, no, no, I don't know. He won an award for this. Though. Okay, let me let me best help best you. Let me actor. help you. I'm just gonna Golden run. Globe. Yeah, there it is. Golden Globe, best actor, musical or comedy. He won it. He was nominated for best actor, Hacksaw Ridge, 2016 Academy Awards. What is the BAFTA? Oh, television actor. He's uh been nominated three times won once and tony awards he's actually won best leading actor in a play 2018 angels in america um he was also nominated 2012 death of a salesman this guy's fucking talented ty he's incredible he's incredible in this movie he's really 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 good um the only reason and it kind of goes back to last week with the incredible performance by um dr strange benedict come back the supporting thing, like it, it's just him in this movie, and I, I, don't get me wrong, he's fantastic. The Susan character is good. Vanessa Hudgens and her very small, small amount of time talking, you know, she's good. Um, the Michael character is good in, in scenes, but uh, I, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be getting a best supporting actor nom for for this. Um, so that's kind of where I, I gotta 
you know, I give a lot of points for the lead guy, but I also got to make sure I leave room for really good supporting roles. Um, but yeah, Andrew Garfield's 20 out of 20 in this. He's really, really good and emotional and creates this, this sense of someone who feels like he's rushing to do this. And just the scene, I think it's where like he's waiting and trying to think of how to write the song and he's just fucking around and he's like bouncing a balloon in a pan and just doing dumb shit. Like all of that little stuff is really good mixed in with all the emotional stuff. And his singing is incredible. Yeah. Didn't even know he could sing. Um, I didn't either. He didn't even know he could sing it from what I've been told is uh, even though he was in a musical. So maybe Riley's story he told me wasn't, wasn't accurate. Um, Typically, I agree with you on the supporting actor thing, and that's what would hold it back. Power of the Dog got a 16 out of 20 for that very reason. The reason why I went from a 16 to 18, because I originally gave it to a 16, same score as Power of the Dog, for the, the very same reason. Um, I thought about the movie itself, and it's a movie about Jonathan Larson told through his eyes, quite literally. Um, and the the subject material is three characters, and you know, and they were fine, but like, this was such a movie that was driven by that one character where this is a rare example where I feel, and I, I mean, we're only one point different, so it's not like I'm arguing much here, but like, I, I feel fine that there wasn't a great supporting actor. And like, you didn't need that at all because this was a movie about Jonathan Larson and Andrew Garfield fucking nailed it, man. He was so good. And so, you know, some of the, the clips I've watched and everything, just like his mannerisms and everything, like he did a great job and I'm sure, you know, all the people that might've known him or whatever, like I'm sure they were proud of the performance. They're blown away by the performance and he, he knocked it out of the park, man. I, I don't know why, but I've been sleeping on Andrew Garfield. You've convinced me I'm at an 18. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was right in between. Like I, I had an 18 and I dropped it down, but, and I think, like I said, the difference, like last week I said, it's the sporting thing. Last week, it isn't a story about um, just Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Yeah. It's a story with other characters, and they have roles and stuff. Yeah. This one is, it's him and how people relate to him, but it's his story. Yeah, um, You're right, and I think in, in that case, I'm, I'm fine giving it that extra point. I'll leave two su- for supporting cast. All right, fair enough. Um, my is, fine... any, is anyone going to is anyone going to be getting the Don Cheadle Award for showing up <laughs> in this movie? Vanessa Hudgens. Um, Fuck yeah. <laughs> my final i've actually seen some people talk about how she did the like the actual like the the therapy thing and everything like that she nailed it and like people were really happy with it so i don't know maybe she, she was very does. good in that scene um i don't think there's an oscar for that category though um <laughs> this brings <laughs> us to enjoyment I, I feel a little wrong about where this ranks but it's it's i'm sticking by it i'm not moving up look it's a it's a very well-made movie and i respect how well made it is um, but I just can't put it too high on the enjoyment scale. Um, it's still a great score of a 15 for me, um, as I always think about it, out of 10, 7.5. Um, I, I just can't put it up into that 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 range, the top five range, for whatever reason. Um, really well made a movie. I appreciated it. I enjoyed it. I, I just, I think it's just my personal taste that keeps it from that upper score, and I'm willing to admit that. Okay. So I've had a long road with watching this movie uh, a few <laughs> weeks back. Heard Last it was week. good, started it. No, no, a few oh, weeks oh, back. Okay. Sorry. Heard it was good, started it, got like 15 minutes in, into it, and they started doing like the the This Is The Life song mm-hmm. where everyone's clapping, and I'm just like, I'm not in the mood for a musical. Turn it off. Thought I was done with it. The, you know, fast forward last week. I thought we were reviewing it, so I watched it. I was like, holy shit, this movie's pretty good. And turns out we weren't reviewing it. <laughs> Flash forward to this week. I'm like, hey, I kind of like that movie reviewing it. I get Victoria to watch it. I rewatched it. I landed on an 18. Wow. Um, 
I fucking love this movie. I've watched it multiple times, and I'm so glad that we reviewed it on the pod and I was forced to go back to it because I really, 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 really like this movie. I like the music in it. I like the way it's told. I, I love Andrew Garfield's performance. I really, really, really like this movie a lot. Hey, that's fair, man. This is what the movie ranking thing is for, Ty. I, I Like, I'm looking at it, and it's... You know, I'm comparing it to some of my other scores, and 18, 19, 20 are obviously movies that I had a fucking blast with, um, and I, I feel like this is right there. Is it as exciting and, you know, fucking awesome as a Marvel movie? You know, it's not as exciting to watch, but I think the music and everything creates this vibe and this feeling that it's really fun, and I've watched it twice now, um, two and a half times if you count the first time, and it's so good, and, and I... I feel very confident strongly about that 18. All right. Fair enough. I'm not fair enough. I have a final score, 84 of 100, one point better than I gave power of the dog last week. Okay. My score significantly higher than power of the dog last week. I landed on an 89. Shoosh. <laughs> Almost in the nineties. That gives us a final score of 86 and a half, putting it at 20 out of 107 oh, this is movies. This is fitting. It's tied with The Suicide Squad, oh, which shit. is the origin story of Peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's right up there. I think I gave Suicide Squad an 18 for enjoyment, too. Um, this, this, I had a blast with this movie, and I think they're both really, really good. Ty, you flipped our scores. We actually had the exact same scores for Tick, Tick, Boom. You gave Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, an 89. I gave it an 84. Same thing with this. You gave this an 89. I gave it an 84. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> exact same. That's funny. Two completely different movies with the literally exact same scoring. Um, yeah, it's really good. And based on our early Oscar predictions, I mean, if we're going off every movie, it's Spider-Man No Way Home. But we talked about it last week, and it was like King Richard ranked higher than The Power of the Dog. If we're taking this into account, this ranks higher than King Richard. King Richard came in with an 85. We gave this an 86 and a half. And then uh, the power of the dog is down at 77. So right now, our best picture winner, even though I'm not 100% sure it'll be nominated because of the type of movie it is. I hope it is. I hope they get or at least Garfield is. It's Tick, Tick, Boom, Ty. Okay. You fired away with, with some questions on me earlier in the pod. Um, we've seen some of these movies now. You know, Some of them organically, some of them that we've gone out of our way to watch. Um, between Power of the Dog, um, uh, King Richard, and this, who's your best picture winner so far? Or your best actor? I apologize. <sighs> that's tough. Um, that's you know, obviously, the last two movies we watched were incredible performance uh, performances. Will Smith's is incredible in King Richard as well. Um, we've seen a few of them now that are kind of like trending towards being the people to win. Andrew Garfield obviously won it over those two guys for the Golden Globe. Where are you at? Well, they're different categories, though. They have, like, different categories. Oh, it's musical gloves. and comedy. Yeah. That's right. I think, if I'm just going based off my scale, it would probably be Garfield 1, Richard 2. Or, well, not Richard. Well, no, they actually got the same score. Okay, so I actually feel right about being conflicted. Because I was going to take a cop-out answer and say, tied for first, Will Smith and Andrew Garfield. Slightly behind them, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, if I had to pick one gun to my head... That's tough because Will Smith was really good in King Richard. Like, really good, man. I, they're, they're I, all I, fantastic I slightly lean Will Smith, but I still really, really, really like Andrew Garfield. So I wouldn't – I would pick either of them. I would abstain my vote. <laughs> um, what you're leaning towards, I think, is if gun to my head I had to choose. I think Will Smith still gets it over Andrew Garfield. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is in the conversation. 
but I don't think his performance is on the level of those two. He'll get nominated. Oh, for, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's right up there. I just don't think he's a <laughs> winner favorite. He's a nominee, not a not a winner. Well, Ty, if we, we scroll over to Variety real quick and we just look at um, their favorites, number one, Will Smith, King Richard. Number two, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom. Number three, Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog. So um, here I we love are. It. What's number four? Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> um, and up. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't blame you. Tick, Tick, Boom. It's got an 88% in Rotten Tomatoes, 197 reviews, 96 audience score. Armin White, the review is in. Rotten, of course it is. Um, his review, Tick, Tick, Boom, uses the Jonathan Larson careerist cult to promote Broadway narcissism. It's the most obnoxious showbiz biopic since DeLovey degraced Cole Porter. Okay. I I don't know what that last word means. Cole Porter? It's a person. Cole Oh. <laughs> I don't know who that person is. Um, the thing I was surprised about earlier in the podcast, which I'm not going to read the actual review itself in case we review this movie, which I think we will, but it's in theaters right now, so we're waiting. Uh, he gave Licorice Pizza fresh, so I think this now becomes a must-watch movie for us. That's, yeah, that's something. I, okay. That movie I, has a 16 audience, though, so I don't know what to think. Hmm. I don't know. I... I've heard it's very good. I just throwing it out there. I've also heard that it's kind of problematic in a sense. That um, would big explain, time. What? That would explain some things about Mr. White, but continue. Oh yeah, no, it's like a it's like a either an older gentleman or an older woman. Um and by older I mean like mid twenties with like a fifteen year old. And they just don't address it and it's just like, hey, it's seventies, it's fine. But weird. <laughs> Well, I, I have to tell you now that the, the last three words of his review is rare, relatable narrative. So, <laughs> Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> wow. Um, this guy's a fucking trip, man. <laughs> random Rotten Tomatoes movie score to wrap up the podcast, Ty. I couldn't think of anything, so I took the cheater answer. Um, obviously, uh, Jonathan Larson, he made Rent won a Tony Awards, one of the best musicals of all time. That musical has been turned into a movie, um, a 2005 PG-13 film with 175 reviews. I, I doubt you've seen it. I doubt you're familiar. Starring Rosario Dawson, Tay Diggs, Jesse L. Martin, Nadina Menzel, Adam Pascal. What do you think Rent got the 2005 movie adaptation? It's a movie of Rent? That's what I literally just said. Were you I... not listening? No, I was, but like I, I was waiting for you to finish, and then I gave my fucking my comment, Jay. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt and be rude. <laughs> oh, the fact that I've never heard it means it was probably a pretty shitty adaptation. Um, we're gonna go forty-three percent. Almost forty-six percent. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm never gonna get this. It doesn't make sense. There's only a hundred possible choices. It's gotta happen eventually. Oh man, and most of the time, like you know the movie, so you could pinpoint a number range. Um, yeah, I can, I can shrink it. That was close for a random. Not your closest. You've been one percent off, but yeah, forty six. It's got an eighty three audience, so maybe it's one of those like people like it, but it's not the most well made. It's kind of corny. I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah, that's, that's all exciting. I got for you, Ty. That that fucking hurts. What are we watching next? I'm week? gonna get it. I don't know, but I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. You are. Um, I, I do know. You. I lied. What? I believe in you. You're going to get it. You're right. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Next week we are reviewing. Did I did I get that name right? <laughs> this is great radio. Coda, a um, Apple TV Plus movie. It, it is another Best Picture contender. I don't know anyone who's a part of this movie. Is this movie in a different language? I don't think so. Um, all... This very much is throwing out foreign film vibes with these names of people in it. Um, all I know, all I can tell you is it. Variety ranks it number three on their best picture favorite behind The Power of the Dog, number two, and Belfast, a movie that's in theaters right now. Um, or we could spend $20 on it, and we're just going to wait it out a little bit, see if we can get it a little cheaper a few weeks down the line. Um, yeah, we got time. We ain't got to rush and pay pay money when we can wait on it a little. So yeah, Coda, number three, 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's on Apple TV+. Plus. Drama Romance, Hour 51. Um, it's based in America, so I don't think it's foreign. Oh, English, English language remake of the French language film. There you go. Got it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. It was at Sundance. I don't know if it won anything, but it released at Sundance. Got it. Uh, CODA stands for, C-O-D-A stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Oh, okay, that gives me some, some context going in here. Mm-hmm. Child of De- So she can hear, but her family can't. I believe so. I haven't seen the film. I'm sorry. That was okay. rude. Okay, dick. <laughs> that was rude. Oh, man. You got actually, anything else? Or you're just going to be fucking mean to me. I actually helped a, cu- a customer at Fans a few years ago. Um, that was She was a, a child of deaf adults and um, very nice young girl. She was like eight, and she had to like communicate for her parents and stuff. And I, I just very nice young girl. I hope she's doing okay. I've always wanted to learn um, ASL. Age, sex, location? <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got you spend too much time on omegle jay that's what i got okay in the meantime be a good friend everybody Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Oh, 
Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.